0: Welcome to a special series of the Empowered to Connect podcast where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. This is episode two of our special series on the war in Ukraine entitled War and Resilience how Ukrainians are teaching the world. If you missed episode one, definitely go and check it out before listening here. Um, if you've already listened to episode one, here is episode two. We pick back up with our conversation um, on Matt, with Madison and Yuri Perikaty talking about the generational resilience baked into the Ukrainian culture. How did it get here? How did it, how did it form? Um, and what is it like? Here they are, Madison and Yuri Perikaty. Yuri growing up there, i mean that Madison that's an incredible like i, I don't think I knew that statistic about there being a hundred years of of there not having been war through the generations Yuri growing up i mean it, with a with a taste now on a different culture and and maybe having a sense now of like that not being the case in the u s for example. Um, are you able to see or kind of pinpoint those things like looking back in your own story and and see different things that were just routinely normal for you that might not be normal in other places in the world because of that exposure growing up?
1: I think just, you know, this popular phrase in America, hurt people hurt. And I think, I think that's true because like, both my grandparents uh one been uh, military vet another one been prisoner of war and uh uh you i never understand quietly was the heavy you know the heavy gravity gravity of uh, whatever deal i lived through
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the, the, the drinking of alcohol and uh, i think that's partially people just kind of look at the body keep score book uh kind of people just yeah. been uh you know influenced and then their, their generation growing up and the uh influenced by the you know by the hurt people who have been in the struggle and then uh, I growing up I' seen people coming back from Afghanistan and uh, uh and it just it's just it's weird it's it's weird kind of make sure you hear about those people and you can't always be behind uh kind of a kind of inclusion and uh and PTSD stuff like that because they just now start talking about how how PTSD is a real thing because yeah. before there was just you know, like all people who come back from the war kind of thing uh yeah, And, and, and uh, I, I don't know, it's hard to say, uh, because when you're there, do you think it's normal? Yeah. Or right. do you think of maybe it's just a cultural thing? That's what we do. Uh, and uh, now we know more and it's, uh, it's just, I have a lot of compassion to my my parents and my grandparents because I feel like uh, they did the best for whatever yeah. they have yeah. and I feel like a lot of Ukrainians now struggle because simply they just, they almost, it's not like they did not know anything better, they just cannot see anything better. Yeah. Uh, you cannot see past this you know look, I'm struggling'm I'm born I'm with myself I'm mother of three and my husband is there and I'm by myself in Romania for example yeah yeah and uh, it's it is, it is stressful uh, I, when I'm when medicine leaves somewhere I'm staying with the kids I can do it but like, but in the fifth day you are like, oh man I'm a little bit struggling uh, <laughs> right. so I, I I always had a compassion towards uh, you know the single parents and uh, and especially if you have a added extra stress. Yeah. So, so my heart my heart hurts and i feel like there will be a lot of healing i hope there's a lot of healing gonna come to ukraine yeah uh because we're praying for the end of the war but i know after the war it will be a lot of a lot of mountains to climb
0: yeah yeah well madison i'd love for you to share the story that you shared in the newsletter which is the way that we got in touch with you to begin with was was i noticed you know well i don't Tip, tip the story, but I would love for you to share that story and kind of the setting behind it of you guys in the, in the camp and, and, um, yeah. would you mind sharing that story?
2: Yeah. So we, um, we are partners with Lifeline and, uh, through our partners, uh, connected in Ukraine and Romania, a lot of our Ukrainian partners ended up going to Romania and working with these other partners. And so, uh, last summer they were able to host, uh, three different camps for Ukrainian children who are refugees in Romania, like for hundreds of kids. Um, So we had a week long experience working with some moms and kids because, you know, most of them, the dad's not there. Um, If you, if you have three kids or more under 18 or your child has special needs, then the dad can leave with the, with the family. But most of these, most Ukrainians have one or two kids, three kids is a lot. And four kids is like, Whoa. So um, we were we're a little bit weird when I would go to the grocery store with all my kids in Ukraine. (laughs) Um, So we had the opportunity to serve there in July and then we were invited back in October. Um, So I I don't know if this is the one you're referring to, but I I had two different opportunities on that trip in October to work with groups of refugees, uh, Ukrainian refugees in Romania and uh, was able to put together kind of, I only had a couple hours each day with them, but really wanted to just help them understand what trauma is that it's okay to say you've experienced trauma and really help them understand how it influences the brain. And uh, that just because they're not children uh, doesn't mean they can't be influenced by what they've been through. And in this situation, it's ongoing trauma. So a lot of times when we talk about trauma, it's like a singular event, um, a singular rupture or or something like that. And this is just ongoing and unknown, so yeah. living with that fear every day or wondering if your son's going to die and, you know, it, that's ongoing. So uh, we had some really impactful times. We, we we played some games, but then we talked in individual groups. I, I heard their stories uh, and just to be able, I felt honored that they would share with me. They didn't know me. From Adam. They they, I'm this American girl who says I used to live in Ukraine and my Russians, like, man, it's fine. Um, and they just drew me in and they would, I mean, the stories that they were telling me were shocking to hear. Mm. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this one woman that I met. I talked to her for 15 minutes, and she said, Yeah, we were uh we were living in the basement for three weeks. And, um, my grandson got so sick that like, we were sure he was going to die of pneumonia. And that's when we decided to get out. And so they left and came to Romania and he was in the hospital in the ICU for two weeks. I mean, this is a five-year-old and they'd been living in the basement for three weeks. And because of the mold and because of the cold, he got pneumonia. So, uh, there were a couple elderly women there who were, I just thought what you, you have lived through so much. Yeah. And now you're here wondering, is my son? Okay. Is my grandson? Okay. Cause they're fighting.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: there were then, and there's grandmothers and moms there, you know, now raising their kids or grandkids without any p- other parental influence because they, they wanted to get out. And I don't, I don't blame them. This right. woman was saying she, and she kind of said it in a funny way. She was laughing. And sometimes that is a way to deal with grief or trauma is you have to find some right. joy. And she said, yeah well, you know, I was in my garden and then I went out there the next day and there was a bunch of missile shrapnel in there. And I thought, well, I guess I won't have potatoes this winter. So I better leave. <laughs> so that was her way of coping with the situation was recognizing her harvest would be not plentiful. So she must, she must need to get out.
0: That was the marker that told her she needed to go. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Oh man. Um, when you guys think about the families in, you know, kind of from here and and heading forward and let's, and let's pray that the the war is ending soon. What, what are the, what are the most immediate needs that you guys see? And maybe it could be practical needs that, that you're helping to cover through the war fund or that you're working to raise money for right now. And then when you think about those longer term structural needs, what might be some of the things you think of that uh, we should have on our minds moving forward?
2: Um, so one of the cool things was that, um, so I completed TBRI practitioner training um, right before we came to the States in 2021, and I was on the Eastern European cohort. So one of the positives of the pandemic is that it made it possible for them to do these TBRI trainings internationally over Zoom. Yeah. And I was in a group with all these other Ukrainians and, and, and people from uh, Latvia and Romania and other places as well. But uh, I know each of them have been working in whatever context they're in. And so right. definitely, you know, there's going to be a need for more trauma-informed practitioners, whether it's with TBRI or something else, um, who can serve. Uh, we, we talked with a couple that we know, and I was asking, like, okay, what do you see are the needs? You know, come six months from now, because because Yuri and I don't know, what, we don't know what we're doing. We have no sure. idea where God's going to put us. We don't know if we're supposed to stay here. We're supposed to go to Romania or, or back to Ukraine, Lord willing. And, and this couple that's living in Ukraine said, like, Madison, we just need people. We need people who are ready to do relational work and counseling because aid is coming. Even, you know, churches are doing a great job with aid. Ukrainian organizations yeah. are doing a great job with aid. It, it's getting there. People will get what they need. But the the counseling, the the one-on-one, the, the trauma groups, like, there's not enough people who know how to do that and are willing to live here. And so... Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a huge need to see, okay, God, how are you going to provide that? How are you going to provide that for the Ukrainians who fled, who live in Czech, who live right. in England, who live in America? Because yeah. uh, that's going to be a need as well. So I think that's kind of on the on the trauma clinical side, uh, one of right. the things that we're seeing. Um, do you want to talk about some of the practical, more practical needs? Um, I mean, I think like rebuilding, um, which is what our partners are working on, thinking about all these mm-hmm. people who had, their roofs torn off or their windows blasted out and it's cold. You want to talk it, about the it, win- winter project, maybe?
1: Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard because there's the, oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Can you
2: something
1: <laughs>
2: Sorry. <laughs> she's like, she's our baby. So she's pretty yeah. irresistible. She's not a baby, but you know, she's
0: no, no, no I, uh, yeah. How, how old is she? She's three. Okay. We've got a five year old who plays that role for us.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if we'll have any more. And so we're just soaking it all up. And she just, her little eyes. Yeah. So he'll be back. Um, I hope that's okay. I'm sure you can edit. For
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There we,
2: sure. we go. Um, was that the story I was talking about? I hope that's what you were mentioning. I was trying to yeah, think. Yeah. If it was, if it was that. So good. Okay. He's got
0: Okay, so Yuri, you know, one of the things that I saw in y'all's newsletter recently is the, the winter project. And I mean, this is probably a very ignorant thing to have to clarify, but um, so for example, we're in Memphis, Tennessee, we have sort of a winter sometimes. Um, Ukraine has real, real winter, and that's a real challenge if you have no roof or have no windows anymore. So we share about the, the project you guys are a part of.
1: So to uh contextualize. Basically make a vision. Uh and if you look on the globe, we're kind of on the same line with the New Jersey. So okay. we have like four seasons. And uh uh right now if you notice that the strategy of Russia is uh not just trying to win on the battlefield, but also just create mass miss mayhem. They started bombing the oh, power plants, uh the water systems and everything. And, uh, so a lot of people who is, can be like 300 miles from the front line, you know, no soldiers should be, but, uh, uh, there'll be no power for like a whole week possibly, or it will be power like for two hours in the morning, maybe. Uh, and, uh, so in, in the light of that, you start thinking about, okay, if you live in the house, um, a possible, maybe you can make some campfire or something like that Mm -hmm. kind of surviving because, uh, if you have a real winter, uh, and, uh, even you have a clothing, but you have no heat. Period, and may possibly no water. So uh, your life is yeah. getting like, a little bit problematic because uh, to even you know get your bucket of water, like five gallons of water, you need to go somewhere, to fill it up, and come back home. Right. So right. a lot of logisticals are there, and uh, uh, even if you have a uh, no hole in the roof, because you know the missile hit you, yeah. unless you just, you just simply you're just gonna almost freeze to death because. There's no why no 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 means. So we try and uh to work with our Ukrainian uh, partners, trying and help them to uh pay for the you know, go in there and chop some uh, wood, some lumber to to bring to these families and just uh kind of give them the most needed things. Or even if, for example it, it, even if you bring woods and you need the stove to to bring something to your home and you know stick it to the window so yeah it's not like that heat.
2: yeah so we've been we kind of launched a project a couple months ago um, but winter will last until april in ukraine and so right. we're continuing to send uh, funds to our partners for these huge trucks of firewood and then you have to think about, like it can't just be wood it has to be wood that can be either already chopped or that like an elderly person could physically pick that piece up. So that puts some more criteria in there. Uh, Stoves installation, fuel is really expensive right now. So fuel to actually drive out to these places and install it. So we're working with two different partners um, continue continually doing that it costs about a um, hundred dollars for a stove and it costs about fifty dollars for a month's supply of wood and so that's what we've been uh, doing with the war fund for, for the most part um,
1: right now the week, yeah right now.
2: so that's at uh, warrelieffund.org, and you can you know if you feel led to give or, or contribute in any way uh, we're so grateful and just know that everything that's given we get accounted for by our partners and by by globe and so we just want to be you know above reproach with that as well but we're also supporting different families because there's a lot of families that have you know maybe the dad lost employment because of the war and so then they have no income and so we're actually on a monthly basis supporting seven families right now in ukraine um with income and so that's an ongoing need that we that we have as well
0: guys what do y'all in, in madison first and yuri what what do you guys want uh the average person who's listening, not in Ukraine right now, what what do you want them to know kind of in closing? You want them to know about, um, yeah, what do you want them to know about Ukraine and how they can be involved going forward or, or anything in general?
2: Uh, I think our, our biggest request would be that, you know, if you're, if you are a believer to pr- be praying for Ukraine, to be praying for churches in Ukraine, praying for um, people to stay strong, um, I think that from our perspective, it's really easy to forget uh, about the struggles that they're going through because we're just living life here day to day in a in a comfortable place for most of us. Uh, I want uh, parents to know that if their kids are asking about the war, uh, just to remind them that they're safe, they're in a safe place, um, that that it's a reminder for them to think about and pray for other Ukrainian kids or learn a little bit more about Ukraine. Yeah. Who knows what seeds are being planted in your child's heart if they're thinking about Ukrainian kids. Um, so I think that ultimately we want to see healing brought to Ukrainians. Um, and, you know, for us as Christians, that is, eternal healing by coming to know Jesus, but also there's a lot of healing to be done from all the trauma of this. And that mm-hmm. is going to take years. It's going to take people. It's going to take people not forgetting about Ukraine and continuing to invest. Not I don't mean just financially, but, uh, in resources and resourcing others who are able to go. So, yeah. uh, we, we hope that there's a lot of healing coming and we, and we hope that the war ends really soon. Yeah. Yuri. Yeah.
1: And I think also the, um, what i'm praying almost daily the uh it's about mercy mercy yes god save us mercy but also a lot of ukrainians now are just getting very angry mm-hmm. yeah. very, and they have this like they visualizing the enemy is russians so there's a lot of justifiable maybe anger but uh i just i hope god's gonna because uh has gonna spread this mercy to the people and people eventually start learning to give mercy to because Mm. Uh, there's a lot of wishes for vengeance like, uh, that's what people are hoping yeah and, and i hope uh, just people kind of you know even, even if you bring vengeance it's not gonna bring you healing uh mm-hmm. so uh, that's the kind of problem for for now because we cannot change the war uh we cannot stop the war we can patch the roofs we can you know we can bring the firewood we can yeah. the, but it's all band-aids so mm-hmm. i hope uh eventually god's uh gonna work on people's hearts and maybe uh, you know, just give a safe place in, uh, in people kind of to process what happens to them. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think just to add on real quick to that, I, there's a real opportunity here for when we're talking about vulnerable children, the orphanage system and all of that, there's a real opportunity for those things to change. This war has created more orphans. Yeah. Okay, what does that look like going forward? And I, our hope is that the Ukrainian government will begin to take advice and directions from like, for example, the Polish government actually has an excellent social services system and it's right next door to Ukraine. Um, take advice from, you know, experts from wherever, whatever country that things would shift so that future generations in Ukraine grow up with a different story. Uh, and part of that is on those of us serving in Ukraine on the church on individual families and choices that we make. And part of that's on the policy level. And, you know, I'm not that person. I'm not Ukrainian. So I'm not going to be up there. Um, chummy with uh, President Zelensky talking about law changes. I mean, that'd be cool, but it's probably not me. Um, However, maybe there are people who need to be empowered or educated. um, And if, you know, people listening have that knowledge or the ability to, you know, sponsor people who can do that. I mean, that, that, that would be huge. So I think that's our big hope. Let's not default back to the system we had because it wasn't serving children and families. Well, Um, let's, let's try to repair and reunite families that have been separated um, yeah and I add one more thing I'm sorry this is I don't want to end on a sad note um, but a lot of children have been deported to Russia uh, from those Eastern areas like we're talking thousands of children separated from Ukrainian wow. family members um and so we just, constantly are thinking about them and praying that the Lord would just be merciful and gracious to them wherever they end up. And they may end up in an okay situation in a, in a family, but um, yeah, just so much separation, so much loss. Um, it's going to take years and decades to process.
0: Well, unless, so yeah, I don't want to just end on that. Sorry. <laughs> what? Well, no, like, why? Like, what? what was the purpose behind that? What was that like a Russian thing was that something where people are sending their kids across the border for safety. We'll talk about
2: it's force um, forcible evacuations of of people in general. So like if you have a whole orphanage boarding school that's got several hundred kids and this whole town is being forcibly evacuated, they're not. What are they going to do? Tell them no, that the kids can't go anywhere else. So this is just people being forcibly evacuated into Russian territory out of those war zones in the east. So yeah, there's just there's a lot of really tough things happening. But I think like what Yuri said. It's so important that, I mean, we, we can't get true vengeance and, and that's not going to, that's not going to heal those relationships at all.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to ask one more question. So, well, two more questions, I guess. One would be, what would be your advice for people wanting to follow along with the news and follow along with what's going on and get accurate kind of stories. If y'all found, you know, there's one kind of either American news outlet or an English speaking news outlet that they can get reliable information from.
2: Yeah, so there's a couple. Um, I you know I follow them on social media, but I'm sure they all have websites too. But um, the Kiev Independent uh, posts in English uh, updates every day. Uh, um, radio voice
1: of Freedom. I voice think. of
2: Freedom Radio. Um, they have English YouTube channels and English, uh, Instagram. I can send you the links to these, but, um, those would, those would be really good ones to follow. I find that they're very diligent in their reporting. And, um, I, I find that BBC has good logistical updates as well. You know, whenever there's movement troop thing, those kinds of things, they're, they're pretty on top of that.
0: Okay. Uh, last question to hopefully end on, on somewhat of a hopeful or, or more positive note. Um, we have like organizationally a mutual friend, um, named Raya, who you guys are friends with as well, who's doing a lot of work with the Karen Purvis Institute. Um, there, do you want to share about y'all's relationship and maybe the work that she's doing there? And then maybe we'll hear from her soon.
2: Yeah, that would be a great connection to make. Uh, we met Raya, how long ago was I'm that? i in
1: 2009. We we'll went visit the what she done. Yeah, we
2: because went and visited her where she was working in Kiev at a like their foster group home. So they had this okay called father's house where they housed individual foster families um, with children in them. And we went and met with her there just because we were curious about that type of work. Uh, so that's been a little while, and uh, we reconnected whenever I applied to the TBRI training for people in Eastern Europe and uh, was able to walk through that program. And she's kind of been the, the, the person touching base uh, with the Institute and and on that training. So uh, she's got the connections as well as her team, cause they were doing, you know, hope connection camps, those kinds of things in Kyiv. Um, we had even talked about like I was like, OK, great. Let me know the camp dates for 2022 because I'll come up to Kiev. I want to observe this. I've seen him in English, but I, I want to watch him in Russian or be a buddy and and actually yeah. practice that in a different language in my second language. And so yeah. those were the plans that everybody had was to go back and do these normal, quote unquote, ministry things for us. Um, and so obviously none of that happened, but uh, we kind of yeah. have hope when for this. The future. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll see.
0: Awesome. Guys, thank you for making time. Thanks for sharing your stories. And, um, we're going to link all of the, world really fun and stuff you shared, um, in the show notes so people can look it up there. Um, tell us where we can follow you on social media for more updates.
2: Yeah. So we're on Instagram at the Perikatees. It's hard to spell, but um, I will <laughs> will make sure it's linked in the show notes for you guys. Uh, I, my maiden name was Hall and I thought that was boring. So <laughs> I, I ended up as, as <laughs> Uh, But it's pretty appropriate because it means like to tumble. Like, so it's half the word for right. tumbleweed. So we're just like tumbling around the world. It's, it's yeah. fit, fitting for our lives.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. We appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to War and Resilience, How Ukrainians Are Teaching the World, a production of Empower to Connect Media.